Hello and welcome to another Arcade and Retro podcast. Um, this one this is a special edition. Um, we thought to, to, because of the recent passing of Iwata-san, um, president of Nintendo, we'd uh, talk about uh, some of the content that he'd worked on. Now, in particular, some of the Earthbound stuff as well. Um, now, I, I have, I've only played one of the, the games, <laughs> so probably Stephen, you could probably uh, eat this one a bit more. And uh, again, so it's just myself and Stephen here, and we have Sarah uh, joining us uh, via telephone line. <laughs> Hello, like Sarah. <laughs> um, so we'd start off with just talk about President Iwata, and uh, I don't know, I just heard during the week there that um, I think everybody else did that he, he died. I, um, I don't know, I felt very sad when he, I heard about it. How about you, Sarah? Well, you're, you're oh, I cried for like on and off for two hours. Yeah. I just sat down in my pyjamas going, why? <laughs> I think like everybody, he was one of the kind of the, the good guys in the, the gaming industry where if you look at the, kind of the other presidents of like, like Sony and Microsoft, these are just guys in suits, businessmen, where yeah. Iwata, he started off with um, Hal, Hal Lab- Laboratories. They're just a group of mates that they kind of went to college together did computer science and then uh, decided to kind of make games on the old kind of Japanese home computers like the MSX and the PC-88 and whatnot, probably even older than that. So, I mean, where he started off, like, um, uh, I think he started off kind of coding in assembly and probably machine code and also... He, he and was I, most saw, well, I saw, like, a, an interview as well of yeah. when I was saying his father didn't want him to do this at all. It was, it was very, very... Yeah. Uh, I grew up in Hokkaido as well, so it was probably, I don't know, there wouldn't be a lot of... Yeah, it was it? Well, the industry didn't exist at the time. You yeah. know, so, so it was very a big gamble to say. I've got to be a game developer yeah. father. Was it him that said like he he's like the honor of joining the smallest company when he'd, he'd finished? It was yeah. just a few of his mates in a in a flat in Akihabara just making games and stuff. And kind of Hal then kind of grew from those kind of uh, kind of early homebrew origins. Came a, a big name in the kind of the home computers then. Um, he was well known for like his programming skills. Like even when he was president of Nintendo, he'd be drafted in to rescue projects. Um, so, like his programming skills and his coding genius kind of caught the eye of Nintendo, where um, he'd he'd be drafted in for like the games on the new Famicom that was coming out in 1983. And I think the most famous game that he he he's most involved in was Balloon Fight on the the NES. I think that's the one that most people know him from. He kind of coded that whole game from scratch. But he also helped out with. A lot of the other kind of Nintendo projects probably he probably isn't even mentioned in the credits, um, and um, kind of Hal as well. You're probably you're probably most recognised for a lot of their, their 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 own games like Kirby was the kind of a creation of Hal. Um, some of his other kind of programming kind of accomplishments, he was um, drafted in to rescue a lot of projects like um, Smash Brothers Melee when the GameCube wasn't doing really well um, Smash Bros was kind of like the, the, their big game to actually start selling some consoles that was the one that most people were looking forward to it wasn't going to it was going to completely miss its uh, deadline Iwata was drafted in just to get the, the game out in time and he did same with um, Pokemon Gold and Silver once the, the game was finished Iwata had a look at it he kind of compressed the game down so that they could fit in the entire Force game onto the cartridge for Game Freak um, and the same with the game um, Airbound we're going to talk about mm-hmm. Um, they couldn't even get the game to scroll. It was kind of uh, it's the game uses kind of these weir- this weird kind of isometric perspective, and when you got a, a console with a crappy CPU like the SNES, sometimes kind of coding in the scrolling is kind of difficult to do. And the game was gonna it was like it was gonna be a late SNES game anyway, but it was gonna completely miss the Super Nintendo if they didn't get this sorted. They couldn't even get the game to scroll at all. And Iwata was drafted in, and he told them 
either I fix the game in a year or I completely program it from scratch in six months and he did and the game came out um, and even like uh, I've heard stories as well like when the Wii U was being launched they were he was going around expecting all the software and he was playing on I think it's on Nintendo Land there's a balloon fight kind of mini game on it yeah. and he was playing it and he says this character movement isn't right and he just kind of pulled up the sleeves sat down <laughs> at the console and coded in the character movement so that was kind of like and um, his background was coding and even when he, he was the president of Nintendo he would say like he enjoyed going back to doing the coding on Super Smash Bros. Melee so <clears throat> he kind of understood games and as well for the, the employees like he, he he came up through the trenches where before that it was what's his name Yamamuchi yeah he was the he first was, yeah because it, it was the Nintendo family yeah, yeah. It was the, I can't remember what the, the name is but up until then yeah he was the first non-member of that family yeah. to, uh, to, to be the president yeah the, the last guy was kind of a psycho real kind of serious Japanese businessman mm-hmm. he said when he was getting the promotion to Nintendo president he, he went into his office and he was getting chewed out telling him about he was going on about the values of Nintendo and all this and he thought he was going to get fired mm-hmm. and eventually he says I want you to take over from yeah. my position <laughs> <laughs> yeah because in front of Nintendo yeah. as a company is over 100 years old isn't it it's their, <clears> yeah I mean, they started off in the 1800s yeah. like yeah. <laughs> Oh, 1900, sorry. Maybe 1800. No, 1800s. Easily, yeah. I'd say late, yeah. Late, late Making 19th the, century, anyway. Yeah, the Hanafuda cards, and they yeah. became famous because the Yakuza used the Nintendo cards. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, like, uh, as well, like, like other places, if they were doing badly, they'd they'd be huge layoffs. Um, Iwata did. Instead of laying off the, the staff, he said that that would be, like, be really bad for morale. He took a pay cut, and a lot of the other executives took a pay cut, and that is kind of unheard of in these Japanese kind of... Uh, or even in Western um, uh, places, so that there was no layoffs at all. And he's brought through, he's got, been through like Nintendo through like their best and worst times. He was there, he, he came along during the GameCube era where the GameCube was failing really badly and they're only really hanging in there because of Pokemon and the Game Boy Advance. And he kind of took the brave move of going ahead with the DS and Wii, which paid off big time. And then again, he, they floundered down again with the, the Wii U and even the 3DS was, was, wasn't doing too well until he kind of brought in the the pay cut and um, brought in the pay cut and uh, sorry uh, yeah oh, sorry he, pr- he cut the price and then he took pay cuts as well as well as everybody else yeah yeah although yeah. it's a standard of Japanese thing it is still quite a good gesture instead of saying he made that decision he, like because mm. the shareholders were demanding that they sta- downsize yeah. lay off staff and he says no that's not going to work we're not going to get back to a good position yeah. if we're laying people off it's actually kind so of he a, took a pay cut yeah. instead of like laying anyone off either. it was kind of a very Nintendo thing because I heard that the Famicom when it came in first it was really badly designed and it was units were failing and what Nintendo did is says, said send them back to us and we'll send you a brand new Famicom and that's actually how the Famicom did so well because people trusted Nintendo they, mm-hmm. they went ahead and did this so it was that kind of gesture of good fate he's kind of repeating again I think it's very sad that he's gone because this is, it's probably the worst thing that's happened to gaming since well Gamergate, <laughs> and um, like he's he's like such had such a contribution to lots of games as uh, the guy who made Airbound Shigesado Itai said like there would be no Airbound if it wasn't for Iwata stepping in and and rescuing the project, and it's a huge loss. I don't know what Nintendo is going to do for leadership. They have Miyamoto and this other guy I can't remember his name Takeda are yeah. the two directors and they're kind of. I don't think Miyamoto is going to be kind of director material, so it might be the guy Takeda taking over. But yeah, then, he's done some good stuff as well. Yeah. Uh, it's just Miyamoto. I don't think his management really management material. Yeah, no, ta- Takeda oh. created create Punch Out and Star Tropics. Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah, he's again he's a very tenured individual um, mm-hmm. who's yeah done a lot of stuff. He also came up with the um, the battery backup system. 
Oh, nice. As well. So he's uh, yeah, <laughs> he, he's him very of the same. Passwords. <laughs> he's definitely cut from the same cloth as yeah. uh, Iwata. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, no, no. So I think yeah, with him and uh, running things, if he still still stay, he's only acting. Uh, but at it could the be a surprise. Iwata was a big surprise. He wasn't even with Nintendo. Yeah. It was really kind of Hal, a third party or a second party, come I think for them. So I don't know if you have anything else to say about Iwata. Or <laughs> uh, no, um, no. Yeah, uh, Sarah, do if you? anyone would say for anyone that wasn't on boards, I shared the. The Iwata asked where he met Arino. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> we're such, we and Stephen are such games as CX, CX um, fans. Fan, like. Fanboys. <laughs> and um, he said that when he went to Nintendo first, uh, he said, yeah, I think I can make games. And Arino <laughs> was saying to him, without ever trying, you just said, yeah, I think so. And he said, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> he just showed up at the door and said, I think I can. Yeah. And he said, come in. <laughs> And um, he was saying when uh, his dad didn't want him to do work on the games, he was saying that um, he had so much faith in the future that because he was young, you know, he was saying, mm. you are so wonderful, you know, you can defy your father. <laughs> <laughs> didn't speak for like six months. Oh, God. <laughs> but when he was leaving, he said, um, they asked Serena, what did he think of Iwata? And he said, uh, when he shook my hand, he said his hand was so soft. He said there was no roughness, oh, so such soft hands, <laughs> and that was his impression of him. So <laughs> <laughs> I think that's kind of, it's kind of true. He did seem kind of really soft and gentle. He was one of the good guys. <laughs> he wasn't the yeah. uh, Randy Pitchford, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> but it's definitely something if you're looking for something to watch that particular Iwata ass I think is really fun because they play yeah. a balloon fight together I think that the Iwata ass as well is like because Nintendo never really opens their doors to their history and they've got so they they, they keep so, like as we're going to talk about actually in Airbound Zero where they actually had a prototype they were hanging on to for a- ages of a localised version they never released this stuff but with the Iwata ass stuff like all this kind of develop, developer like kind of developer information is coming out and he's even like uh, interviewed some western developers like Warren Spector and I think one of the most amazing things we've seen, and this is probably because of Iwata, was uh, when we had Miyamoto and uh, I can't remember the other guy, Tezuka or whatever that that works with Miyamoto uh, at the, the doing the Mario Maker conference at E3 when he took out all the graph paper of all the the old oh, yeah, Mario level beautiful. design. And that's, that's Miyamoto, the one that I was yeah, thinking of. And Miyamoto was going through like like this is how like why we designed level one to teach the player, and it's like I just look at like how beautifully designed that first level was, and he's him going through it, and you're thinking about like modern games, and it's like press forward to walk forward. Press A to jump, press X to crouch, and yeah, I mean a lot of people complain about yeah. that E3 and Nintendo's uh, uh, presentation about it. it. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, they completely sold yeah. me on Mario Maker. I didn't see the point of it before. Yeah, and like either. that between that uh, that lovely uh, graph paper and all, and mm. then the uh, the actual Nintendo World Championships as well is yeah. an absolute pure joy. I think and what people don't realize is like the the Nintendo Directs come like usually show new games and they're like nearly every month, so they don't have a lot to show. And also, like it's not like Sony where they they had nothing to show really. Yeah. And they showed like great games, but none of them are out till 2016, 2017. Yeah, and like here's Shenmue, which you can yeah. invest in yourself because we're not going to do <laughs> yeah. it. Everything, everything Nintendo showed, you will be playing it before Christmas. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Kinda... And yeah, their Nintendo Direct system is the way forward. If everyone yeah. was doing that, because yeah, people sort of paying millions. E3 is for, just, I yeah. guess just breaking your back on that. You know, it's like no giving point. yourself another Christmas that you have to have like yeah. work your staff to overload to have something ready to show and mm-hmm. it's just really bad business that's practice. another kind of Iwata thing like yeah. everybody's going to watch genius. E3 
on the internet so why spend millions on yeah. a stage show when you can just have a show that you, you've made exactly, for exactly where you control everything and get the mega 64 guys on if we can laugh <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, but yeah yeah so I'm completely sold on Mario Maker now whereas I've heard really good things like, about it, it yeah. they really yeah. sold that really well whereas and before you know, I was like don't understand yeah. the point you know and gonna, you can now pre-order yeah. the, the, the pack which comes with the amiibo so oh, yeah. uh, that will be gold <laughs> dust on the day you will not I, i'm not going to have another instance of trying to find the bloody woolly yoshi and <laughs> it was not easy. i did not have a good time trying yeah. to track down that uh, but uh yeah so i already have pre-ordered on amazon yeah. well you know merrimaker is going to come up with a load of pre-made levels and it's going to be all like pre-made levels from loads of nintendo designers and even the junior designers that they're bringing up on board and actually there's another thing that Iwata's doing bringing on junior designers see the yeah. um, the Splat- Splatoon guys they're oh, totally yeah. new straight out of college and yeah. they're big into western games they Again, love like Unreal Tournament you can Tournament. bet the shareholders are saying let's yeah. put Mario in there and mm-hmm. uh, but no no because I think originally they were thinking of like just yeah. making another Mario bullshit thing and so they said no 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 new IP people yeah. are clamoring for new IPs it's the big criticism oh you never do new, new yeah, IPs and it's like, but, yeah here you go it's giving this totally yeah totally new team as well like, yeah. a workout and see what they can do and again you can tell like oh, so much stuff like Splatoon is clearly so polished as well yeah. like all their stuff that's that Nintendo polish that just they put so much effort in and they don't just release stuff and like they weren't going to show you something that's not finished and yeah. that's why yeah yeah that's why yeah they're not going to show you anything that you're not going to end up by showing the new Zelda game so when, when's Last Guardian out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think we'll, we'll get into uh, Airbound now. Yeah. Enough. Uh, all right, so Airbound, um, we can't really talk about Airbound unless we're talking about, as I said, Shigesato Itai. He's the kind of the, the brainchild behind... Um, air, air, the brainchild behind Airbound, with, uh, or the Mother series. So uh, Shigesato Itai, he's not really known in the West, but he's like a huge kind of celebrity um, in Japan he's just so multi-talented he, he started off as a copywriter which I mean nobody knew what a copywriter was until Mad Men came out is <laughs> but nobody really celebrated him the way in, in Japan during kind of the Japanese 80s boom um, copywriters were kind of like big celebrities where they and especially Shigesato Itai he'd put out ad, adverts and he'd have these little kind of sayings on them and these kind of sayings have now kind of they've resonated so much with the Japanese public that they've entered like standard standard language for, for these people like he, he's had such a big influence on it and it's not just his work as, as, in copywriting either he, he was an actor he, he's plays the dad in My Neighbour Totoro um, he did yeah, yeah. I saw that um, last night mm-hmm. and he, he does a lot of writing as well he's um, good friends with um, Haruki Murakami kind of you know the famous Japanese writer and yeah I kind of he, he's done um, he's done a kind of a series series of short stories with him as well that were published um What's it called? Uh, Let's meet in a dream. It's um, called, and I kind of find oh, like okay. I thought it was after the quake. That no, was all short stories as well. Yeah, but I think that was he wasn't. I thought maybe he was on that as well. I'm not too sure. I think that was only. I think that was only. Get more, out my book and find out. <laughs> I think that was only more Kami. But I kind of feel like his writing, even in the airplane games, it's very like more Kami's writing, where doesn't like he writes a story and it's about a guy and a train going on a train station or like going on a train journey and meets a girl and nothing really happens and nothing really happens at the end but you kind of get it's about the, the emotional feelings you get from mm-hmm. from it and kind of he's perfectly his kind of job title kind of perfectly is perfect for that because that's what he does a few words to to as a copywriter kind of a few words to kind of make that emo- give that people those, yeah. those people emotions so that's what kind of what the airbound games are like and what is what Murakami's writings like so well um kind of in the 80s um the Famicom was 
massive. Everybody was playing it, and so was Shigesato Itai. And um, he was kind of playing stuff like Dragon Quest and Mario, where it's kind of save the princess. And he said he just kind of taught himself games could be so much more. Like we could have the the games are great, but maybe put a bit more story in there, make them like make them a bit more like art. And he had kind of contracts with Nintendo. He'd meet them every so often to advertise. So during one of these meetings, he kind of came up with it. He kind of gave them this idea about Mother, um, which would be the first Airbound game. And he said, oh, I've got a great idea for a game. And can I do that? And the guys was going, oh, yeah, it, yeah. Like, we'll have Shigesato Itai on board, put him on the box. It's going to sell millions because he's such a so famous. He said, well, we don't really know about games. I think you should go talk to somebody. So he went, he was sent to Shige, Shigeru Miyamoto. And he told Shigeru Miyamoto his idea. And... He said um, Shigeru Miyamoto kind of scared him away there, saying, like, uh, like you've got a, this idea for a story, but you know how it went to work that goes into a game? And he got this big, massive um, kind of design document for a text adventure. He says, you're making an RPG. There's lots of text. True this, Adam. goes, this is the amount of work you need. Like, you're mm-hmm. a copywriter doing advertising. You're you're doing short stories. I don't think you're you're prepared for this. And Shigesato, he, he said he went home to train and cried his eyes out because he was shot down by Miyamoto. But eventually, kind of, they brought him back for another discussion about it and... Miyamoto was still kind of um, a lot of he still wasn't convinced because a lot of there's a lot of kind of celebrity endorsed products mm-hmm. and there was stuff like disasters out there like the um, Beat Takashi game yeah. <laughs> where Beat Takashi yeah. would arrive every so often after a night drinking go into the office with his ideas tell him about how much he hated video games and he wanted to do this in the game to annoy people and it's like one of the worst games ever <laughs> and he, he didn't want something like that so he didn't want want him to just come along and say oh make a game for me I got these great ideas it's kind of like when I was when I kind of finished that course and making video games people like a few friends of mine go I got a great idea for a game and they tell me this elaborate story and go yeah but what's the game mm-hmm. like <laughs> I don't care about the story like and how like you tell me like the stuff where the world is morphing around people goes like how are you going to do that I'm not that good <laughs> <laughs> I do a Mario platformer for you but but I say that's what he taught but um he was kind of convinced then to, to give it the green light then uh, because he said he was, he cut his workload in half and um, eventually they, um, they gave him a kind of a, a split-off group that became Ape Studios. It was kind of a Nintendo kind of first-party studio. Um, they set to work on Mother and he actually spent most of his time working on this game and he was invo- like intimately involved for the, for the whole lot. Um, so... What's Mother then? It's or Airbound. It's or what's it? Airbound Beginnings now. It got mm, re- yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, only very recently. Yeah, just got re- released. I guess in English, that was yeah. announced. That was that announced. It wasn't at the. Um, it was. It was at the World Championships. Yeah, I think as opposed it's, to the it's available now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of um, it's an it's a kind of very Dragon Quest, uh, standard J Japanese RPG, but it's kind of in a a contemporary American setting, which there's no real RPGs really like that, but it's it's kind of a tem- contemporary American setting. Yeah, because we're even just through. watching the, the commercial, which has, like, yeah. Western kids in it. Yeah, <laughs> there's a really cool kind of kind of live-action uh, trailer for it. You should check out it's on YouTube for the, the first Mother game. But um, it's uh, it's kind of no seen through... until a, the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of seen through a weird Japanese lens, and it feels kind of 50s to me as well, because it starts off with... Uh, a story about these two people, George and Maria, I think, and their their a light came from the sky, and of course they were abducted by aliens, and only George came back, and that was like fifty years before this game kind of um, before the game starts. I mean, you're kind of you're playing as this little kid who starts at his home, and there's like a poltergeist, and he learns that the poltergeist is because of his psychic powers, and his dad rings him up on the phone, tells him, "Oh, it's your turn to go out on an adventure and find out what's causing all these kind of." Um, psychic anomalies so you're you're kind of just walking around the world meeting people um 
but it's kind of strange and contemporary. Um, like you're you walk, you're kind of helping a mayor find a um, a kid who's trapped in a in a cemetery in the forest part, and there's like zombies everywhere. And it's kind of weird things like you don't gain money from battle. Your dad gives you an allowance for every battle. Um, battle you win and he puts it into your into a bank and you use an ATM card to get it out of the bank mm-hmm. um, you don't get potions and elixirs you buy like hamburgers and hot dogs and stuff from cookies. from shops cookies yeah <laughs> and it's kind of got this weird sense of humour to it all um, there's also some re- really weird bits in it like there's there's parts where you dive into this kind of subconscious world called Magicant and it's kind of it's a very strange world and there's a kind of a princess there you kind of learn later on about her Um one thing about this game, though, it's very badly balanced and uh, it's like incredibly hard. I, I was playing the Wii U version there and I walked out the front door, gone to my first random battle and died. And so if you're <laughs> if you're unlucky, you're going to get killed by your first random mm-hmm. battle. And this is kind of standard in kind of old Japanese RPGs, but it's not something you put up with now. It's, um, I mean, Shigesato Itai said like they, they had such a hard time making a game that uh, when he got to the last, like the last area of the game called Mount Itai <laughs> after Shigesato Itai is uh, he's just going oh like balancing game just completely went out the window we just didn't care we just wanted to finish the game and every random battle in that area is harder than the last boss <laughs> and basically <laughs> your your um, only kind of defense is to run away <laughs> but um, yeah it's it's a uh, it's kind of aged a bit now because of the whole kind of strange Dragon Quest vibe but yeah. I think like gameplay wise it's, it's Gameplay-wise, it's kind of aged badly, um, but I think it's still worth experiencing just for the kind of the story that Itai put into it. Because uh, you're going around collecting these melodies; it's these kind of eight little tunes, and they you kind of piece them together. And I don't know, can I spoil this game? <laughs> Has the statue mm-hmm. of limitations been gone up on yeah, it? Well, yeah, that was our yeah. With Sarah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, well, a lot of people it. might be playing soon, so let's uh, say yeah, I don't know. Don't listen for the next thirty seconds. Oh, no, I know I won't spoil it. Okay, but, oh, okay, yeah, because yeah, a lot of people yeah. are going to get it from yeah. Earthbound beginnings, so yeah. I wouldn't. This, I plan on banging it. Yeah, it makes this kind of like this tune, which is kind of central to the story, and it's got a really good payoff at the end when you actually find out what this tune is and what it means. And basically, the whole game, mother, it's the whole game is about like the, a mother's love for her child and like how powerful that is and how like like the boundaries you can stretch across and basically it's at the end of the game it's this mother's love that kind of defeats the evil at the end and but that's not given into the way like it's, it's much more compl- complex than that and when you, I just got to that that bit at the end I kind of battling through that grueling Mount Itai part it was just oh horrible and then just get that payoff at the end and it works so well I'm like it's so amazed that this is like a game from 1990 or something and it was so moving and um like like nothing happened through the whole game again until that very moment at, at the end and it was just like most most games is kind of cheap tricks like someone dies it's just like a really it's like a real shock is the way they people get emotion out of people where this is just something really subtle and kind of beautiful as well it's like a real kind of real indie art moment about 20 years before that that movement actually took off mm-hmm. um, so yeah it's well worth um, kind of giving it a go now the it got released there on the wii u uh finally in english after what nearly 30 years mm-hmm. the thing is um it's still got the same difficulty as as yeah. the the other version there's um there was a mod or of the this game this game came out on the game Boy advance as a mother one and two pack and there's a mod of mother one that's all in english but they also include an easy mode where you can just fly through the game the battles are kind of a bit more 
they're that's much more man- manageable <laughs> yeah it's that's probably the way to go through it but I still think some of the dungeons in this like you need graph paper to map them out mm-hmm. they're huge and all the tiles look the same there's no real landmarks in them so either get some graph paper that's out or I got stuck yeah do what I, I did go in that dungeon that yeah. I couldn't figure out where it was going yeah game facts have these all mapped out beautiful like taking screenshots of, of the levels oh, just use, use them <laughs> <laughs> um, but you can still go, you're probably going to do a lot of grinding otherwise and you're going to have to run through the lost area because it's it's just nasty um, there's, other, there's weird there's weird kind of history behind the um, the English version of this game because it was um, Nintendo was really desperate to get RPGs to come out uh, and be popular in the West because Dragon Quest was just like a phenomenon. It's like the Call of Duty of Japan. Um, so Dragon Quest 1 did quite well, but then 3 just exploded since mm-hmm. Dragon Ball came out. And yeah. Dragon Ball was so amazing. And then people were like, oh my God, like this ga- there's a game out with the artwork from the guy who does Dragon Ball. So people went bananas for Dragon Quest 3. So they kind of he's succeeded. The, he's the most... Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he's the most recognised living artist on the planet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, all his art looks the same. <laughs> but um, they, they tried with Dragon Quest and that failed, and then NX kind of took over took over with Dragon Quest. Then they tried again with Final Fantasy, which did quite well, and then they were going to try again with Earthbound because that was such a huge hit in Japan because Shigesato Ito's name was on it. But by the time they got the localization, which was complete, was completed, it was shown in previews in. Nintendo Power that Super Nintendo was out and they decided we'll just focus all our efforts on the Super Nintendo so there was a prototype out there and then there was a translation group translating the game but then during the translation uh, like the fan translation somebody actually found a prototype in a garage sale (laughs) and and then they were kind enough then to kind of release the ROM online and then people didn't believe that this prototype was real because it had lots of changes from it looked it seemed like a bit of a fan hack so there's stuff like you had a run button that wasn't available in the Japanese version and but there was also a lot of cut content as well like well it wasn't cut content it was more changes to it like crosses were removed but that was kind of a Nintendo thing they'd remove yeah. religious references so p- people kind of thought it was a fan hack but then the original translator of um Airbound, Airbound, or Motherbone, sorry, came out and he said, like, yeah, this, these changes were actually made to the Western version. And then, kind of to add kind of uh, legitimacy to this, when they released the Game Boy Advance version, they had, had all the changes that were made in the um, the Western prototype that was found were all in, it was a Japanese version of the Western prototype okay. that was in the Game Boy Advance version. So, um, so yeah, it was, a, um, it was a kind of a bit of a complex tale on how it actually came out and now eventually it's finally officially released on the Wii U <laughs> by Nintendo after done a 30 years of ignoring its existence um, I don't, I never really knew this series existed because it never came out in Europe until Smash Brothers and I was like who the hell is Nez <laughs> yeah I was the same yeah so the next game in the series which we've all played thankfully so yes, we just I played this one, yeah. is Airbound on the Super Nintendo which is a sequel to the first game but it, it it's more kind of like a remake, I'd say, because it's it's still kind of the contemporary setting, but you're you're still kind of finding notes of a, a song, but the song doesn't really play as big a part as it did in the first game. So, um, do you want to have a go at this one, Gavin? Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. And I can give I can give a personal backstory yeah. to when I played it. Um, <laughs> actually, uh, yeah. For oh god, I guess I guess it would be sort of around 2004 or something. I was dating a Brazilian girl. 
and uh, I used she she was studying in Seville at the time, so I used to be cheap enough to get to Seville. So I'd go over about once a month or so. Then she came over to Dublin for a while, was here for a while, and then she was going to go back to Brazil to finish her studies. And I remember I went back just to visit for a bit, and her parents didn't like me so they kicked me out of the house <laughs> so and i'd still had another week left of my trip and it, it would have cost so much money to change my flights it was cheaper to stay in a in a in a best western for the week <laughs> uh, so this wasn't even in a so this is in a place called bella horizonte which is right in the middle of brazil so one of the smaller cities but that's it has a population of three million in the city yeah. uh but yeah no one really speaks english there so i was just in this hotel room uh for like a week and i just had had my laptop with me and i just played an emulated version of uh Earthbound. <laughs> so that's my experience of playing that game, and mm-hmm. I played through the whole thing. And yeah, 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 I do have a lot of uh, good memories of that game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <with> that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah um, that's my personal experience of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a weird game. It kind of it starts off with um, you're woken up in the middle of a night from a, a meteor crash, and you go to um, kind of visit the meteor with your kind of your friend Porky, who's an old, he's a bit of a dickhead. And he's a real scaredy cat. And then you meet what's his name? Fuzz, oh. uh, Picky is it the brother? No, no, the little, the oh, little buzz 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 buzz. Yeah, he kind of warns you about this kind of creature in the future, Gygas, who was the kind of the main bad guy of the first Earthbound. He was going to kind of take. He's causing all these horrible things to happen in the uh, in the world, and um, he gets killed. <laughs> and then kind of his, I think, was it Porky's mother squashes him, doesn't she? Because he just looks like a fly. <laughs> and then, uh, I think so. Or is it um, Pokey himself? No. Uh, no, it was the mother. It was the mother. I think it was the mother that did it, yeah. <laughs> Okay. Uh, also, one thing I liked about that at the beginning mm. is the way you enter your name and then it's like enter your friend's name. Yeah. Uh, and also, what's your favorite food and things? And I remember I just wasn't paying attention. I think I just wrote in hair for that. <laughs> and it's like my mother kept saying, oh, eat your bowl of hair. <laughs> and it's like, so you can have a lot of fun with yeah. what you put in and those answers at the beginning. <laughs> what I, do you I put in um, lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh, what what things do you like the most? And when uh, Arena was playing, he was like, Oh, unicycles are cool. <laughs> so I think his uh, PSI was called um, unicycles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of those those things kind of feed into like your favorite food is like the one the the health restoring items, and your mother's always feeding it to you. Yeah. And um, what something I think is cool, it's like one of the the best spell in the game is like if you put in love, it's like Psy love or Psy unicycle. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's kind of got it's got that kind of contemporary setting as well. No, the Force Town is really it's kind of so weird from other. Japanese RPGs because it's just it's a city and they've got these huge skyscrapers and there's cars driving around and it's got this real kind of weird Charlie Brown look yeah and um, I remember West like one of the th- things like this reviewed really badly when it came out and one of the things was it looked terrible people said because Donkey Kong Country had come out and everybody mm-hmm. wanted everything to look like plastic in a horrible looking Donkey Kong Country game but I like looking back at it now it, it lives up to the it really stands the test of time yeah. it's one of the best looking games on the Super Nintendo but it's kind of, I think it's in but the Yeah, that's it. It's very, it's very sort of spot colored. Um, yeah. There's no tone to it, really. It's very just uh, one color. Uh, uh, so everything's like, it's you haven't got that sort of tone or shading on the graphics. Like yeah. you would say in like uh, Link to the Past. Mm-hmm. So it's just pure solid blocks of color for everything. Yeah. That, which probably at the time would have made it look like a more primitive sort of NES game. But it, yeah, in, in general, it was just the style, and it was it's an interesting style choice. And yeah, it, it has aged very well. I think kind of it does things completely different from other RPGs, like the status effects as well. I know you can get a 
like a mushroom on the top of your head. It's really annoying because it reverses your controls. Oh yes, you're walking around. I have to go to a hospital then to get it, the mushroom taken <laughs> off. And also, I have um, a tab open with all of the um, dissatisfactions because mm-hmm. um, I was saying that because uh, I was ringing from home. I was saying, oh, right. no homesickness. I'm oh, linking yeah. into the podcast. Yeah, you, can get, <laughs> you can get a homesick as well. Yeah, if you don't ring home enough. And it's kind and, of the stats um, go down. <laughs> well, that's the save game mechanic fun, as well. Fun yeah, stroke as well. Phone calls. Mm-hmm. You can like ring for a pizza as well later on. Like your, I think it's your sister or something sets up a pizza delivery company. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I also have this condiment system where you can combine like a hot dog with ketchup, and then the the healing effects of it are multiplied. But it's kind of stuff you don't need, but it's it's there just to mess around with. And even like in the first level, we were going to like the arcade, and the music is all these kind of arcade kind of samples like it's um oh it's, it's just the attention to detail in the world is is really great um i think like the the you, you just kind of you're going through the world and you're seeing it's i think you get those kind of tunes every time you see like one of the eight wonders of the world mm-hmm. i think that's kind of the theme i think it's like earthbound i think the team is instead of the mother this time is mother earth where it's kind of going out and exploring the worlds uh for the first time and seeing kind of the wonders yeah. of the world but also kind of the dangers of it um and there's all these kind of weird events. I think my favourite one is the, the cult. Do you, do you remember that? Oh, the, the, the cult of blue? <laughs> oh, yes, yes. The happy happies. Um. The happy happies, yeah. And they're all, they look like Ku Klux Klan members, but they're all dressed in blue. And I remember there's a cow outside and he's kind of coloured blue. And he's talking about how great... You can talk to the, you can talk to animals in Airbound for some reason. And, yeah. the, and he's talking about how great the cult of blue is. And I remember when you defeat the cult of blue, he's kind of going, oh, I, I think I made a big mistake colouring my, my foreign blue. <laughs> it wasn't so great. And... It even messes with it. Kind of, it's very contemporary Dragon Quest RPG, but it has like um, it kind of messes with it's kind of messes with those uh, 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 what you call it the tropes of RPGs, mm-hmm. where a lot of time you go on these fetch quests, like something happens, someone's sick, you have to go get medicine for them, bring it back. Where it is and like there's a there's a, a kind of a, a town with a circus tent and it's infested by zombies. And the way to take care of those zombies is to get zombie paper, which is like fly paper. You put it on the ground and the zombies get stuck yes, to it. That's right. And <laughs> there's like these pencils are in the way, in the way, like there's these like gray pencils. And what you get is a pencil eraser to erase the pencils. <laughs> and there's another part part where um, you need, for some reason, you need yogurt flavored or trout flavored yogurt. And it's good. I don't know how to, how to um, I don't know where you're going to find trout flavored yogurt. And then somebody just comes up to you and goes, I've invented a, a trout flavored yogurt dispenser. <laughs> So it kind of it kind of messes around with how silly these RPG yeah. conventions are. Conventions are well, all well, also being kind kind of um, a very contemporary Dragon Quest game. Yeah, but I think in other ways it's very um, it's very forward thinking because it's one of the first games along with kind of Chrono Trigger. I don't know which came first, which had no random battles. Yeah, they're all the enemies you can see on screen, and if you're too powerful for them, they'll actually run away. And if you run into them and you're just so overpowered that you can beat them in one hit, it'll actually you'll just there'll be no battle. It'll just give you the experience right away. Yeah. So if you're backtracking, there's it's um there it it's like a lot easier to backtrack. And also there's other things where if you can if you if an enemy attacks you from the back, they get a back attack, or if you attack attack them from mm. the front, then you get like initiative as well. And like it's amazing that like Airbound and Chrono Trigger were doing things like this in, on the Super yeah. Nintendo, and then we went. It took so long to do uh, yeah. ran, get random. It's still I mean, it's, game. It's I mean, yeah. It's still yeah. A, it's a very accessible game. Whereas you might be a bit hesitant to uh, to recommend the first game because it's oh God, so yeah. old school. <laughs> this, yeah, you have no qualms about recommending this because, and it's again, it's on the Wii U. It's uh, it's up there. You can get yeah, it. Yeah, it's and, it, it uh, was very rare for a while, but it's on the Wii U now. It's 
It's a, it was and a yeah, it still pl- it plays really well. It's easy to dive in. Anyone can play it, and yeah, yeah. It's just stick with it because it can be a bit weird. I think yeah. <laughs> for, for people who are starting with force, because even like attacking, you don't kill enemies. It kind of like there's like new age hippies, which is a bit of an oxymoron, and <laughs> uh, like bag ladies, like crazy bad like bag ladies that come after you. If you kill them, it's kind of like the it's kind of like oh, you don't kill them. They come to their senses, or the animals are tamed. It's kind of got that really nice kind of it. It's kind of like a. a a vibe to it where everything fits into the world where it's you're not killing like an old hippie <laughs> which would be just weird and kind of dark um co- coffee cups and like musical instruments as well isn't there what's this the oh yeah uh, you could yeah you fight yeah there's it's weird oh, the, the range of enemies is is just kind of strange um but it, it's all it's also got these kind of really dark undertones like when you get to moonside it's that's when a game gets really dark mm-hmm. and it, Oh, it's foresight, isn't it? And then it changes to moonside, where it gives has all these yeah. kind of it's completely because of black. The evil many many settings. Yeah, it's totally black, but everything has these kind of neon outlines. And yeah. then you have a bit then when he goes, you go into um, Ness's the main character's subconscious, and he has to kind of find himself. Which that's it was right, you have rep- no clothes on. Yeah, in the, that's something they've changed in the western. Yeah, he has his underwear on, yeah. or he has pajamas or something. Yeah, but you're completely naked in the pajamas Japanese version. And yeah. I have my pajamas on. That's why I had up on my board. Pajamas <laughs> <laughs> and no sickness, no home sickness. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, it's, it's it gets really weird then. And I, when you get to the ending, it's very very dark. Um, the music is, the music's very weird. They kind of use these um strange musical instruments and tones to kind of make you feel at ease uh, and I know I just felt really uncomfortable when you went to Battle Gygas what the kids have to do to actually to actually get to the to that area I don't know do you remember that the music even for the Gygas yeah. boss oh yeah I it's crazy I was in your house when I was playing yeah. it and I, I wanted to stop because I was mm. going to get sick do you know it kind it of reminds like me of to my brain. Yeah. what's that that um, irreversible the music in that scene <laughs> they kind of like it's yeah. meant to keep you very ill at ease but at least there isn't anything nasty going on in that yeah but that that whole kind of the last final boss battle where you're actually trying to it's it's very um, Lovecraftian where you're you're just the enemy hurts you by just by you trying to comprehend them <laughs> it's really nightmarish um, oh, it's just creepy it's it's like going from that kind of cute kind of Charlie Brown looking graphics to this really quite dark and disturbing um, setting and I think that's um, Shigesato Itai was when he was making this game he want, he kind of based on a childhood experience where he went he was in a cinema and he snuck into um, into the wrong film and he he thought it was um, do you know the name of the film Sarah? <laughs> I can't remember Oh it was something about um, I can't remember the name of it but it was something to do with um, a policeman assaulting yeah. a woman No it was a, I think it was a policeman trying to solve a crime or something but he walked into it during the, the scene where the woman's being assaulted he thought it was a rape scene but it was actually yeah, the woman being mean, murdered yeah. mm-hmm. and it was kind of this I think the whole game is this kind of uh, is about this kind of shattering of a, of innocence where like you're going out into the world and seeing how amazing it is for the first time and how beautiful it is but then you're also finding out how nasty it is but then it's kind of the way the, you, the kids in this the game get over it's kind of all the friends they make on their journey and all the people they meet there. and it's kind of those people are the people who get you through those those kind of those hard times it's uh, done a very very arty game even though it's <laughs> at the mm-hmm. start you wouldn't think so yeah and i think i think that's what kind of make you have, you really have to play it to the end to kind of get the um the full effect of it uh especially the end scene it's just oh, it's horrible <laughs> mm-hmm. 
I don't forget, yeah, Mr. Saturn as well. Yeah, oh, yeah, Mr. Mr. Saturn, yeah, yeah. the first time he appeared. That's yeah. what yeah. I had down on uh, my notes to ask, what was your favourite Mr. Saturn quote? <laughs> Boing <laughs> is my favourite. <laughs> I wish uh, I had this Mr. Like, Saturn uh, amiibo. I like only five can ladder. Yeah. <laughs> oh, only five or, um, can ladder, yeah. girl and girl. Yeah, they're these kind of little round things with feet and a big nose and that's all they are with a... One one hair sticking straight up and a little ribbon on it. They're very weird. Again, more people probably know them from Smash Brothers than from yeah, because they're, they're a weapon in Smash <laughs> yeah. Brothers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like I'd say, most people know uh, a lot of the airbound stuff purely just from Smash Brothers. Yeah. Uh, I remember we, uh, yourself and Sarah went to uh, it, it was it what NomCom wasn't the anime conventions here. Oh yeah, but loads of people thought you were a Pokemon trainer when you were dressed as Ness. Oh, <laughs> oh yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Most people yeah, came up to me and said, "I hate you in Smash Brothers." But um, yeah, um, they kind of this game was kind of unfairly treated when it came out, and it, they released. There's half a million copies in there, uh, out there, which is like not rare. It's not a rare game at all in America. They Nintendo really pushed it, and they had that. Um, I think it was a hard sell for Nintendo. Like people give out about the advertising campaign where it was basically the, the slogan was "This game stinks." And they were selling it on. There's one boss you fight in the game, and he's called Lord Belch. And there's, there's a few like fart noises during the game, mm-hmm. or during the fight. And they kind of they had Lord Belch in the uh, the adverts and all, and it was based on like, oh, how look how zany and wacky mm-hmm. this is. Where in Japan, it's like it's Shigesato Itai. It's going to be arty. It's this big celebrity. Where Nintendo's kind of going, we can't sell it on a guy nobody's ever heard <laughs> of, and say this is going to be a, a mind blowing kind of arty adventure where people are going to go. Ugh. So they kind of sell, sold it on its zaniness. And then it came in this gorgeous box, like and it goes for thousands now. Or, well, but it goes for I seen it on eBay. It was like eight hundred dollars. One of them I saw. It's like a massive box with a player's guide. And if you open up the player's guide, it's like a whole walkthrough of the game. Mm-hmm. But they have these gorgeous pictures of like all the uh, characters in the game done in um, claymation. It's beautiful, oh, yeah, beautiful yeah. thing. Um, like, um, it, but the thing is, like this game, like sold so badly, it was being sold for like ten dollars and most stores are trying to get rid of them but then kind of people discovered the game through emulation and or picking it up on the cheap i found out like how good it was and like the people who are fans of earthbound are like crazy like fan gamer which is like this big um kind of shop where people sell like like game merchandise that that's been fan made that started as kind of an earthbound fan fan merchandise shop like uh yeah, they, they've they've I been. Have, that's, I have my earphone teaser from yeah. there as well. They're they're very instrumental as well in getting um, like the next game we're talking about, Mortar Tree, uh, actually localized. They're just it's just a great community of um, of really crazy fans. But that's kind of the, the dedication this game kind of brings out in people because they just love it so much. Um, I think one thing you should check out as well is the earthbound proposal that's online. It's very cute. <laughs> Some guy proposed to his girlfriend but she, she was playing Airbound. yeah oh they, yes they yeah met, i remember yeah, this they met on Airbound central and there's a one of the wonders of the world is this kind of this cave you go into where there's there's a, a bit where you're kind of going through this these giant dinosaurs and they're really miniature it's really cool but you go to a cave it's, uh, the looming Lumi, wall Lo- yeah Lumi hall yeah hall, yeah and like these messages come up on the um on the wall talking to ness and it's kind of like his inner subconscious but he kind of um he reprogrammed the rom that she was playing oh, yeah. to put up the proposal message and she's like oh my god you you didn't do that she goes you're not mm-hmm. that clever i goes i am i am <laughs> it's very cute <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um this this game kind of had a kind of troubled history of get, getting released because um the music in the game is really really good but the the two composers, I don't know the first one, but the other one's Hip Tanaka. Oh, have it written here. Keichi Suzuki and Hip Tanaka. The, the thing about the SNES sound chip was it was based around samples. 
and um, so what they did is they went bananas on sampling stuff but what they did is they sampled a lot of Beatles songs so there's a lot of Beatles songs in the soundtrack so mm-hmm. Nintendo were very um, they didn't want to re- release the game because you know what the Beatles are like if <laughs> like Paul McCartney will just go to town on you but eventually kind of with the Wii U they have released this and they kind of put it out there going mm, kind of if nobody says anything about it then um, it's fine to put up there if nobody's going to sue us about it mm-hmm. so <clears throat> it's good that it's finally available because the game was going for about like $200 maybe or even like 150 euros probably more than that for just for a bare car- um, cartridge of it so it's good that it's actually out there and people can enjoy it and Super Nintendo emulation is pretty good on the Wii U as well yeah so and we got any more anecdotes on it <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just want to mention the tenders because I love them so much <laughs> the which? they're really shy guys that you have to give them the book on overcoming shyness to find out stuff oh yeah <laughs> Um, oh, I, I think one of my favourite parts is um, Dungeon Guy. And oh, Dungeon Guy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a guy who, who creates dungeons. Like, you, you find him, and he, the first dungeon he's made is just he put rocks on the ground, and it's made a little maze. And then eventually he makes a more elaborate dungeon later on. And then finally he's kind of, he's he's transcended dungeon making, and he has become a dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> so you walk into this giant guy you find in the desert, and you kind of go through his dungeon, and then he ends up helping you out. <laughs> so I, I just kind of, full of these little weird um, these kind of weird moments that kind of stand out but uh, I just uh, doesn't Jeff give a monkey chewing gum or something to help Nessie get him across the water oh yeah yeah <laughs> and you have the pencil that blocks your way oh the you pencil eraser you yeah. have to use the <laughs> eraser to get rid of the pencil yeah <laughs> and then you have the eraser eraser uh, yes yeah. They were saying it was something to do with it was like a pun in Japanese one. Oh, okay. Oh. They were just like, oh, we'll just make it an eraser, eraser. Yeah. <laughs> Leave it at that. Well, that's, that's really good localization. That's actually one thing to bring up is um, even in the first game, the Mother One, the, the localization that didn't get released was like exceptional. It was so far ahead of other localizations at the time. And then you had stuff like on the Super Nintendo and um, like really bad translations like. Final Fantasy IV with Spoonie Bard and um, then oh, even, yeah, even, af- even after that yeah, even after that you had like Final Fantasy 7 with this guy are sick and just really bad PlayStation and Super Nintendo translations and then you had Earthbound which is just a stellar um, translation that really gets across like Shigesato's Itai's writing because the whole game is based on his writing and if this was badly translated it just would not work um, so yeah they just did um, like Nintendo Treehouse the localization which just did uh, such an amazing job localizing it we're, we're lucky we got it I think because yeah. it's such a weird game it's not really suited for western tastes <laughs> okay so do you want to move to talk about the third one then? yeah Mother 3 kind of had a, a bit of a difficult um, development process it mm-hmm. started as a Super Nintendo game but like Airplane was such a late Super Nintendo game like the Playstation was out and then the, the N64 and then the development team kind of decided they'd go to they'd um, moved the development to the N64 because they thought they'd have much more freedom with 3D and whatever. And then <coughs> they found out they, could, they didn't have enough um, kind of, they didn't have enough power, the N64, to kind of realise the ambition. So they moved to the, the Nintendo 64 disk drive, which is uh, was a complete disaster. It was an add-on for Nintendo 64 that only came out in Japan as mail order. There's very few games mm-hmm. on it. And then that was supposed to be a launch title, of course, was delayed. And Eventually, yeah, that had the uh, that was the Zelda. Extra oh, Master Quest. Yeah, Master Quest. I don't think Master Quest. Really? No, it never got released, okay. but it was finished. But it, they came out on that 
GameCube. Um, yeah, disc, it came out the bonus finally, disc. Yeah. yeah, it had a F Zero kind of master disc thing where you could. It was extra tracks for F Zero X and okay. had a, a course designer as well. And there's a few Mario paintings on it, but there's there was I think there's only six games or something for that yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah. So I moved back to the N sixty four, and then by the time, I think. Itai just cancelled it because he didn't like how the game looked because N64 games let's face it looked absolutely terrible yeah. there's a few good games on it like Star Fox that looked out that live up but um, you can even you can look up some videos of that were shown at Space World and um, you can see how it looks it looks doesn't look good like if you compare that to the Mother Tree we actually did eventually get mm-hmm. like that's a, just a gorgeous looking 2D game Yeah. so the game was kind of in limbo for a while and then um, Itai kind of posted up on his blog he has this blog that he kind of he started and he posts on it every day kind of his writings and kind of musings and he posted up the team of love that had been recorded um, a vocal team of it from um, Mother Tree and um, then people were kind of like oh Mother Tree's coming and then um, the kind of Mother 1 and 2 pack came out in the Game Boy Advance and then they advertised that Mother Tree was coming to the Game Boy Advance so then around eventually I think it was that was announced in 2006 and eventually came out in 2008 and the DS was out by then, so um, mm-hmm. it was meant to be kind of like a launch title to go along with the Game Boy Micro, and um, did pretty well in Japan. Like it was a huge success, but by the time it's such a big game and there's so much text in it that Nintendo kind of passed up the localization of it, so it never got released in um, the West, which is a big shame. But thankfully, we have some some fan translators. There's a guy called Tomato. I think he goes by his um, he, his job is translating video games but he kind of made his mission and a few other guys to fully translate Mother Tree and eventually we got a fan translation of the game and it's fantastic like the work that's gone into it it's um, so good there's no typos it's like really top notch translation they put so much effort into this and um, if you want to play the game that's the, the only way to, to play it in English but it's well worth checking out yeah, and so well yeah. worth playing yeah. this game hopefully if there's, a, yeah. if, it, if there's enough interest in mm-hmm. like Earthbound Beginnings being bought then Nintendo yeah, so and never if seen... Nintendo's smart enough they should just buy that translation but he's offered it to them for free yeah. oh, he's wow. offered that's them, yeah. insane that they don't just use it yeah, yeah. And but they have they had like the last not this E3 the E3 before there was a joke or a Reggie someone goes um, oh here comes Reggie fills a me and then someone in the crowd goes give us Earthbound free and then <laughs> Reggie kind of hits him with his laser eyes and yeah. sets him on fire so they they're kind of acknowledging <laughs> it so yeah. like don't don't say never say never especially yeah. with Nintendo we're only getting like Airbound Zero or, <laughs> or Origins or Beginnings whatever it's called like 30 years later so may, hopefully fingers crossed we will eventually see it so Airbound is um, or Mother Tree is um, it's kind of a bit more different to the old the other two Airbound games where they were more open big RPGs Airbound's kind of or Mother Tree is more of um, it's split into eight chapters mm-hmm. so um, and these eight chapters are kind of quite short, so it kind of um, suits the handheld nature of the game. And each one, and in different chapters, you play different characters until the end, where it's kind of the last few chapters you're you're playing the same characters. And it opens up in this place called the Nowhere Islands, and you kind of it's in this village called Tasmili Village. And the people there kind of there's no crime, there's no debt, and they all kind of live happily. In there's this, no money either. There's no there? money. Yeah, I don't need money. And then, but then kind of what happens in this fire breaks out caused by these kind of pig looking guys and um the this this guy what's his oh god what's his name uh, the main the, the dad Flint. in it i'm sorry Flint. Uh, Flint. Flint. his his um wife and two kids are trapped on the other side of this forest and he has to get through the forest to try and save the kids and then something just awful happens and it's like the first time these people have ever like witnessed something, something so awful and um 
and the whole world is starting to change then because of these events um these pig guys um are coming in and they're they're kind of commercializing like um like some of the chapters take take place like a few years later where the Tasmania village is being built up and these TVs that they're bringing into uh, are kind of taking over people's attentions and um like there's more kind of bigger buildings where before it was just kind of like these farmlands and stuff and I think it the game's kind of about these about like that like um how the world just moves on and people being left behind by um the world moving on becoming mm-hmm. more modern um uh and as you kind of you're kind of the whole game then is kind of you're playing as these characters trying to find out um who these people are that are modernizing the world and um kind of what their ulterior motives are and they're kind of changing a lot of the animals kind of uh, they're making hybrids of the animals or making them into ro- hybrid robots and stuff like that uh, it's kind of hard to explain um without spoiling it really what, what yeah, happens. yeah 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 i've only played the very beginning because once the fan translation came out i wanted to check it out but yeah i just i'm just i hate playing emulated games these days so yeah i just played a little bit at the beginning with the forest fire and yeah i was like yeah i can definitely uh, attest yeah. the quality of the translation is oh, it's very moving that that whole scene is i yeah. thought it was really well handled and um i think yeah as i was saying like this whole the whole the, the thing about the you find out what the story is behind the, the village of the Tasmania village and it's they, they've done something horrible in the past and then they've what they're doing is they're kind of ignoring the past and they won't move on and the whole game is about moving on like these tra- tragic events happen but the whole world is moving on without you as long but you have to just get over that move on without it and maybe sometimes even just start anew that's like the whole theme of this this game I think is and I think it, it handles it really well and um, I don't know I was very emotionally affected by the game like yeah. I remember when I got to the ending and um like the the ending is kind of I, I thought the ending wouldn't be that good because it kind of leads up to this unveiling of the bad guy mm-hmm. who the bad guy is and you know who the bad guy is because it looks like a guy from early before yeah but then it's kind of like the writing Shigesato Itai's writing so good it's kind of like he he expected this and you kind of talking to, you talk to the dad when it's once revealed and he's there like I like I knew I was um, what was going to happen like I knew what who it was I just kind of didn't want to believe it which yeah. is kind of ties into this team and you're kind of going there yeah that was the same with me like I knew who it was but I didn't really want it to be that person Yeah. and then I remember then after that there's like um, a scene that happens in it it's not that it's kind of it's not really shocking it's just kind of the emotion I got over and I remember beating the game and I was on the train and I was there bawling my eyes out <laughs> like a sap <laughs> but yeah I was very emotionally affected by the ending of this game and um, what happened but um um, yeah, it's. Um, do you have any? What would you, Sarah? How do you feel about it? Uh, well, I couldn't even like see any of the text by the end of it. <laughs> I couldn't see anything at all. It was yeah. just water everywhere. And I was like, <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to fight this boss anymore. And I was like, but I want to find out what happens in the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it's like the the mother one thing, you know, no crying to the end. It's yeah. So true. But the the advert um, for it as well, they kind of had the. They had yeah, people who beat the, the game the and then were, were bawling their eyes out. <laughs> That's how they were selling it in Japan. <laughs> but um, uh, do you but, want to talk a bit about the other characters in it? Um, I'm trying to remember them now. Um, there is. Uh, well, you have Duster, yeah. uh, the thief, and he has like um, gammy he, leg. He's like a, <laughs> yeah, he's a sore leg, and um, he ends up he his father asks him to go to the castle, and he meets um, the peddler with salsa. Oh yeah, oh you you get to play as a monkey in this game, Gavin. Oh wow! There's a there's a chapter <laughs> where you get to play as a monkey who's trying to save his um 
that's that's the, he's, yeah he's getting the monkey to bring the TVs into the the <laughs> kind of sell sell them to the t- to the villagers. It's really cool. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's some there's a real great kind of cast of characters, and then it kind of whittles it down to the four main guys in the last two chapters, which are much they're about as big as the the previous chapters each. Um, there's like so much to do like um, in this game. There's like really. Uh, there's like really inventive bits there's a bit when you're on a, like a motorway and you're using a car to drive around and you have to get fuel and stuff like that it's um, kind of the the like the the scenery the way the scenery and locales change there's never a dull moment in it um, what's, what was that bit where you're going through the um, the science there's a really scary bit where you're going through like this uh, yes, bit, I'm just looking for that now yeah. I'm going through um, uh, this game sinks wiki <laughs> <laughs> trying to find that bit where you have to go through the toilets isn't it yeah, or it was, it was just a science it's building where they're making... hide in the toilet. Yeah, from this big creature that's kind of... They they made this monster and he's kind of chasing you through the okay. through the um, the science block and you're trying to avoid him. It's really it's really cool. It's kind of reminds me of the, the SAX or whatever she's called in uh, Metroid Fusion. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they, the battle system's really interesting in this well, as it's well. it's uh, the Chimera Lab. Yeah, the Chimera Lab because they're making chimeras of all the animals in it. The, uh, the battle system's really and, interesting. Uh, you find um, Salsa and Samba. Yeah. <laughs> They're the monkeys. Sorry, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the the battle system is very interesting as well because it's it's like the earthbound one as well. But there's a thing where if, when you hit somebody, you can tap along to the music, and if you're tapping along to the beat of the music, um, then you you can do extra damage and up to like sixteen extra hits. Mm-hmm. And um, it's kind of you're kind of learning like each like there's so much music in this game. Like each enemy has its own team, and um, so you're kind of when you're fighting an enemy you're kind of trying to pick out the instruments that you have to tap along to and then some like when you're playing bosses they'd use like maybe um, they break up the the um, the flow of the song so they're kind of tapping along and you have to kind of change tempo you're in the middle of the song to kind of make it more difficult and there's like some there's another bit when musical instruments kind of speed up the tempo or slow it down during the battle so um, it's a very kind of simple Dragon, dragon Quest kind of battle yeah. system again, but kind of adds that extra element to like the the rhythm rhythm thing to it. It's kind of it's like Legend of the Dragoon, but not shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, oh, if you have anything else, I there. was just going to say as well about um, the Magipsies and stuff. Yeah, did, did you want to give them a mention that they're were they guys that dress like girls with beards? Oh God! Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> and there's what's that? You're in the uh, dressing room, oh, isn't it? Sorry, it says here. It says um, masculine bodies, but <laughs> they dress very feminine. So yeah, cross-dressing. <laughs> and they use similar words to Mr. Saturn, like Boeing and Zoom. Yeah, and love hurts. I feel we're not really selling this game as much as we should <laughs> because um, it, if I say anything more about it, it's just full of spoilers because the story is just yeah. so good but really this is like one of my favourite RPGs of all time it's just so good and it's a really easy one to get into as well if you're kind of put off by kind of complex Japanese RPG systems this is like very very simplistic and um, but easy to get into but still hasn't managed to have a lot of depth and the story is just so good um, and you can play it as well separate from the other two airplane games they're kind of only loosely connected yeah mm. no definitely I'm, I'm, I want to check it out anyway mm. It's only about it's only about twenty hours long as well, so it's pretty quick. It's I think all RPGs should be twenty hours long. But, yeah. Um, but like the way it's it's kind of it's kind of feels like when I played Panzer Dragon Saga as well, the way that was split into four discs, and you can beat each one in about four hours. It's kind of you can you can go in play like a chapter and then leave it for a while and come back. Yeah. It's it's a very it's a great way of breaking up that game instead of having like a hundred and fifty hour slog 
through where you're just doing like side quests and all there there's no filler in this game at all okay yeah mm. no definitely i because I, I want to pick up the earth beginnings just to show my support and uh then yeah i'll, I'll be Don't know translation <laughs> could be waiting a while for yeah. an official release there's, there's a box in his room called the easy ring in the official in the easy translation yeah and yeah to pick that up equip it and it makes it a lot easier <laughs> <laughs> do you have anything else to say sir uh, in this one as well, there's no um, the way you collect the eight melodies. You're collecting needles in this one. Oh yeah, to oh, well, are we spoil it or not? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no spoilers. No, we yeah. just say you're collecting needles for okay. no reason yet. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we'll finish up there. Yeah. Um, one other thing is there's oh, yeah. there's a fan remake. They're making Mother Four, but I don't know. I don't. I'm not interested in it at all. I think. Mother, mother without Shigesato Itai just isn't mother at all. Is this a fan? It's creation? a fan-made game, yeah. so I don't know. Uh, I don't yeah. know if it's going to be. I probably won't. I'll just ignore it. Yeah. Um, Itai said he's not going to make any more mother games. I think he's, but I think he's kind of, he's made three like fantastic games. Like um, he's he's kind of done the indie. He's kind of done the indie, um, kind of pro- profound story thing well before even the indie games started doing that when he, doing that sort of stuff. And he's also kind of, he kind of sends off a lot of the kind of video game tropes where we play like indie games now it's kind of like oh your princess is another castle yeah like well Braid did that but like Braid was the first one to do that so mm-hmm. yeah. but every every other one every game is doing that yeah that now but he kind of he kind of does that but it, it doesn't feel like he's being pretentious or trying to be oh look at me I'm I'm yeah. I'm, I'm quoting a meme <laughs> <laughs> okay so, so yeah. yeah thanks Stephen Sarah um, again if you enjoy the podcast please like us on Facebook it's facebook.com forward slash arcade and retro and mm. uh, yeah we put a few little updates we're going to start using our Facebook page a bit more to put up updates in between podcasts because the yeah. podcasts are a little infrequent but we're hoping to get them frequent again mm. soon <laughs> so thanks for listening thanks Sarah and, uh, thanks Stephen no thanks problem. for having me <laughs> no problem <laughs> <laughs>